and welcome to the Dice of Screaming podcast. <gasps> oh, well, hey, you had a lot to say, and well, and so do we. Hey, I'm Randy. <laughs> I'm Mike. We have the Dice of Screaming podcast formed together by the joint work of gaming, whatever that means. All right, words. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you can't expect much more from the humble little gaming podcast that earns its daily bread uh, by gathering the rice that's thrown out at weddings. So oh, really? It's, it's a humble life. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, we'll, we'll take the crumbs that you leave and uh, make something out of them. Anyway, yeah, today is, uh, well, it's after the storm. We had a pretty uh, good event, and we're going to have some more tomorrow. So, hey, yeah. Well, while we have power, we're getting the podcast done, so... Hope you're doing well where you're over you're at. And, you know, we uh, last week we touched on uh, kind of a jittery subject there about some of the happenings in the gaming universe that's been going on. We had an action OGL news segment. so Which I was so happy to do because, you know, first I get to make the sound. But... Right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I was missing action OGL news, but yeah. I, let, let's face it, you know, I, like as I said last week, uh, things have been somewhat less intense in these last few weeks. Mm-hmm. There has not been as much intense news. There, there are snippets and tidbits of things taking place, but uh, they, they certainly weren't as dramatic and overwhelming uh, as some of the stuff that took place in recent history. So. Hey, the Action OGL News will be back. Yeah, that's right. We'll be when, covering the topics that you are interested in. When things happen, we'll be there. And people will be looking at us suspiciously, wondering if we were behind it. I like where you went with that. <laughs> we'll be there. Just before we're led away in handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> we were falsely accused. I will maintain that. All right, Fake so, news. Oh, no, well, no, 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 yeah, it should kick off next week. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, we've been doing the ambassador uh, yeah. ads for Spotify, which... That's uh, a step up for us in promotions. So. We're, we're super proud of, of this one because I, I feel like our production quality has gone up. We're going, on, we're going a little bit. We got some more skits in the... We're going to keep doing skits since it's a monthly thing. So hopefully you enjoy those. Yeah, uh, since it's ambassador ads and like these are things that can theoretically pop up as advertising on other people's, uh, you know, uh, podcasts, um, <laughs> we have tried to be as considerate and thoughtful as possible and to create things that are uh, marginally humorous. You know, they, they, they've got a little charm all their own. So uh, mm-hmm. just to, you know, make it uh, that much more fun for other people. I mean, for our for ourselves, when it's just, you know, like our podcast, we, we don't have any beef about just, yeah, it's it's us, the two boneheads of gaming. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what we're doing. Please you know, help us. 
but uh, this podcast is a cry for help. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, they're coming to take us away. Ha ha. Ho ho. Hee hee. That that's fine for us, but you know when it when it's stuff that could be used by other people, we put extra time and effort in. So hopefully it shows. If yeah. anybody catches it out there, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> so yeah, um, if this is your first time, we've got a lot of new listeners. Like this is your first time listening to the Dicey Screen podcast. Um, as Mike said, yeah, we're the we're the type of podcast that picks up the rice thrown at weddings to make something to eat off of, yeah, we live pretty much hand to mouth on content and creation. But one of the things that, that we like to do is we talk. We do it for love. And yeah. I'm not actually being sarcastic. For, the, for once, he's not being yeah, a 14 carat ass. Exactly. I, when we started doing this, we did it because it's a topic so near and dear to our hearts that like whenever we would gather together on the back porch, uh, you know, enjoying our, ourselves with like an ice cold beer, uh, a couple of cigars, and we just wild away the hours. We'd talk gaming. And other people we knew heard some of those conversations and said, man, you guys should be doing a podcast. Uh, and man, that kind of stuck in our heads because like a few months later, there we were going, you know what? That's not a bad idea. And we started recording the conversations we probably would have had anyway. Now, I, I can't say we've changed all that much. You know, we no. still talk about what we love. We just do a little more planning and a little more prep work uh, out of due consideration for the, the terrific people that give us a listen. Yeah, we've talked about merchandise and uh, maybe even going to YouTube as a audio-only podcast on YouTube. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we can make a transition if we ever decide to go live, um, working on getting a little studio set up for us. Uh, my wife and I have some plans for the house here, so I may actually get uh, a full studio. That's pretty nice of the missus to grant me space in my own house, but no, she's been talking about it and, uh, just, uh, in the spare there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I kind of feel like had some inklings myself of, uh, of trying that out. So if we ever want to make that transition to video, which we will be around doing this stuff, and we don't, you know, the people talk about, oh, you know, YouTube is a monetization game. You got to chase the algorithm. Hey, look, that's great. I, I, I get it know, that that's how people want to If I was that. willing to put in the time and the effort to chase the algorithm, that would be one thing. Uh, but having the platform access, you know, just just putting it out there where people can find it is oftentimes like all the reward I've ever won. Right. Uh, it, it's one of those things, yeah, like the, the Zen riddle, you know, it, it, it's, it's out there for the people who are searching for it. Uh, and that's the only obligation I ever felt. I don't, you know, that the fame chase thing ooh, sounds almost like its own punishment. <laughs> Just, all right, and a couple of things that's been happening in the OSR. Uh, we may be able to get uh, some guests on here. I think uh, Don Samora of Wizard Tower Games. He's right oh, here in Battle Creek. Yeah, I mean, and he's been going through some legal process. So when this dies down, I think uh, we might have the ability to sit down and talk Turkey with him about starting and running a company in these times. I mean, he's a small press guy. Yeah, a and things. he has terrific insights into what it takes to actualize your goals 
Yeah, and having a, a studio where he can sit down and, you know, we can all sit around and record. That would that would be that's my goal, but you know if we have we can take it on the road and go to his place and uh, you know hang out there for a little bit if uh, that uh, comes to fruition. Yeah, our mobile setup is pretty simple, so I mean you know yeah, well, you can we, put we, it on uh, any device. All right, all right, no, no, So whatever your setup. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you did there. I was going to stop you before you go too. <laughs> Gotta pull you back. All right. Uh, so yeah, um, keep in mind that a short lease is a full time occupation here at the Dice Street. <laughs> that I believe that's uh, your CEO title. You know, it's, uh, or, uh, the executive officer in charge of <laughs> in charge anyway. keeping the mic under wraps. <laughs> I I've always put it with the most fondest of aspects that our relationship is uh, in the Road Warrior. Lord Humongous and Wes. Yeah, yeah. And somebody's got to keep you know, my feet on the ground. Otherwise, I'm on my motorcycle with my hot boyfriend. <laughs> Combing the wastelands for spare gasoline, leftover cigarettes, and you know, like maybe a uncorroded Mountain Dew. Or still fresh. <laughs> Unstale and unsullied. Yeah, uh, look, in zombie land terms, you know, I'm just going to be Woody Harrelson searching for an old Mountain Dew van. Finally bust one open. Diet. Ah! <laughs> oh. And you may ask, like, why are we talking about this? We're delving <laughs> into a topic. Well, not only because it's network time killer time. So. Well, this is our cold open. You know, yeah. we have fun. We, uh, we don't we're do coming this. up on our thir- 300th episode, and I was... Uh, Mightily impressed to see this morning that we had crossed 30,000 listens. And for some people, like, that's small potatoes. But for us, that's that's a big deal. uh, (laughs) You know, it's a deceptive number. Um, You know, when you consider what we started with uh, back in... Ten of (laughs) listeners. (laughs) And mostly our close friends and family. I I remember, like, those first episodes, you know, uh, we were hard-pressed to get tens. We were working our way, like, you know, that, that, that fluttering, faint sense of excitement. Oh, wow, we hit two digits on a regular basis. Yeah. Like there's the between 10 plus. Uh, yeah, and we've journeyed and, uh, well, we've had, uh, we've had our ups and downs with uh, various people in, uh, in the OSR oh. and other uh, gaming communities. We, ran, uh, we made friends and enemies aplenty. And I like to think we made the right type of enemies. Uh, well, and I mean, we certainly made the right type of friends. There's a lot of people that uh, have got a great fondness for it that I'm glad we've encountered because they, some of them are also podcasters who brought me an inordinate mm-hmm. amount of fun listening. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. And we had quite the struggle back during COVID. Yeah, we did. You know, that was that was a tough period, man. Uh, we had to. Yeah, you didn't have a home network, so you could call in. Yeah. And mm-hmm. worst of all, like I, I had a senior parent who, you know, qualified as the as a vulnerable person yeah. that I was being extremely protective of. Like I was the, the point of contact for food and supplies and all of that. So I was being incredibly careful not to risk uh, transmission until, you know, we got the all clear signal and everybody got their shots and, you know, things became 
feasible again. Ultimately, it all worked out. It did. Yeah. And it was wonderful to get back in the game. I mean, I can't tell you what it was like, you know, to just go months with no podcast. Uh, that feeling of relief when we got back in the racket and we're doing what we love again, that was a big boost to my sense of normalcy. You know, the, the sense that life is back to what it should be. Uh, we're savoring the good things. So, yeah. Well, there's plenty of joy to be had looking back when times were hard and when it's good. I can't say the same for the reverse. No. There's no joy when things are bad looking back when things were good. So we're happy that we're at where, where we are. And I'm sure, Abby, we're at where we're, that we are at where we are at now. <laughs> and hey, in the immortal words of Buckaroo Banzai, wherever you go, there you are. Lovely. Yeah, I'm. I always want to keep in the back. Uh, hip flask is a episode reviewing Buckaroo Banzai, but I don't think most anyone will around these days will really <laughs> understand half of what we're talking about. Thinking that hey, are you guys all right? Are, are you guys having a, a stroke? <laughs> oh, just the movie itself. I mean, you know, and the the source material thereof. Okay, it just uh, frankly, any attempt to describe it winds up uh, leaving the listener uh, feeling like they've met some acid tripping hippie left over from the sixties rambling on at random. I still can't believe that movie ever got made. Okay, grandpa, it's time for your meds. Come on. Come on. That's one of your favorite movies. Yeah. Big bootay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets weird so fast that it, it's been challenging for us. To, we considered covering it. We can't. I think that's one of the things. Yeah. And, and the reason why we're talking about this is because we're coming up on ep, um, episode 300. And just like with comic books, when you cross that 300 threshold. You've got to do something special. You know, how many comic books have made 300 issues? Oh, man. <laughs> um, okay. Well, yeah, you can say action comics. Okay. Yeah. Detective comics. Mm. Amazing Spider-Man. Hey, there's a few out there because it's uh, a nice to the dinner table. <clears throat> oh my God, that's right. I think that's 300. Cerebus was one of the big ones. Savage Dragon. I'll be damned. Cerberus? Yeah, Jeez. Cerberus. Yeah, that takes you back. Not that I would recommend reading all 300 issues of Cerebus because of where it went ended and what the uh, artist ended up doing. But oh. nonetheless, I would say that there are, there are moments where Cerebus and ElfQuest in that early 80s vibe were probably two of my favorite comics to get. I mean, even right with X-Men and uh, Detective Comics with Denny O'Neill still writing for it, I was like, man, I'm more excited for Cerebus than I was just about anything else. What? No Ralph Snart? Well, that was a little bit before <laughs> or after, excuse me, before. Geez. Getting me all flustered when you talk about Ralph Snart. Yeah, Ralph Snart, uh, one of those comics I was just like, you know, I need a goofy comic. If you know Ralph Snart, then you know what I'm talking about. I needed a goofy comic from Kitchen Sink Press. And, you know, that was in the same rack at the comic shop. And I was like, okay, Indie Comics, here's Kitchen. What the hell is this? Uh, you know, this cover is like, I, I just got to, you know, I picked it up and I was like, okay. Sold. Yeah, this 
just too weird for color TV. I, I can already <laughs> tell. Yeah, different time. It was a different time. But we talk about like the 300th issue, you know, when you cross that threshold, it's definitely one where you have to take a look back. And we've had, uh, we should have been at 300 a while ago. Yeah, yeah, that was my fault. Like, wow, uh, my fault. you know, we missed several. <laughs> Scheduling several. is the double. Yeah, I have been on vacations. Uh, you got a lot on your plate, my friend. Which uh, I I can't complain uh, because the vacations themselves were fantastic. Okay, the, the place I, I go, you know, cabin in the Upper Peninsula, put my butt in a kayak and go exist with nature for a while. And I unplug habitually uh, when I'm there because it just doesn't feel like a place for highly technological mediums and things like that. It, it's a reconnection mm -hmm. to a much more natural state. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy doing that. However, it plays havoc with my schedule, you know, in terms of everything else that I have on my plate in my life. Uh, everything winds up taking like, okay, Everything in life winds up taking two weeks off. And when I come back, it's all piled up waiting for me. And I end up doing stuff like Wardrobe doing recipes. <laughs> <laughs> and, Cooking you know, I had to look at that episode. And it's a pretty short one. And I had to cut it because I went into the first draft. And I was reading recipes in his voice. And he had a little action figure out in the desk while I'm doing it. And for inspiration. Right. He's got to be there. <laughs> and, um. I'm like, you know, some things just shouldn't be done. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't read it. No, oh, no. Come on, don't be so hard on yourself, dude. Look, uh, you're like, we, we, we've sat through uh, like the haunting Torgo's theme in uh, MST3K, uh, reviewing, oh, what, what is that? The, just one of the worst movies ever made. Manos, Hands of Fate. Yeah, Manos, Hands of Fate. Yeah, you're nowhere close, dude. Still okay in my book. You know what? I'd rather watch Manos Hands of Faith than Steven Seagal direct a video of my movies. Oh, oh. all right. Fair. Fair. Uh, <laughs> and um, I could probably sit through the MST3K version of Manos Hands of Fate before I, I do a Yui Bull film festival. So. Mm, you know what? I I think that right there we've hit rock bottoms. We need to move, just move on. We, yeah, <laughs> we need to get back out. We, we've struck Yui Bull. There is no lower. Uh, but yeah, pal, our 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 principal topic today uh, is like the the state of media. Yeah, uh, and by media, you know, we are referring to the uh, programs and movies mm. that are available via a wide variety of mediums, uh, including the various streaming services, uh, and of course, in theaters. Uh, and eventually, uh, uh, you know, Blu-ray DVD is still a thing. Uh, digital mm -hmm. ownership is a thing. Uh, you know, uh, they, they produce DVD Blu-rays for a lot of newer movies too. Oh yeah, they oh, absolutely they do, but, but uh, uh, they are hardly a market anymore because yeah. everybody has moved to digital comment, which we'll kind of get into. This is get off my lawn, you dirty kids. I, there's a moment. there's a whiff of that. There's a whiff there's of that. Be some of that. So. and why do we have the perspective we have? Is I think it's partly that we've been around so long that we have watched a total evolution. 
uh, you know, we belonged to the world that remembers the big three networks, uh, PBS and the local channel. And that's it. Like there were like mm-hmm. five channels, mm-hmm. three biggies, one local, like, yeah, nobody, yeah, the three affiliate channels, whatever it was. One unaffiliated, like, you know, crazy go nuts university, like UHF. We're just winging it, bro. You know, <laughs> uh, we loved that little channel because they, they played all of the weird stuff uh, <laughs> to fill time slots at night. Uh, a lot of old movies. Yeah. Loved that. Uh, and then, of course, PBS. So, you know, back when it was pretty much might as well be the nature channel uh, today. Mm. But that's the world we grew in. You know, uh, we we grew up in a world where that was all you could expect. Rotary dial phones. Yeah. And this was the medium by which uh, all media was delivered to us other than like buying records for music uh, or cassette uh, and then going to an actual movie theater. And we were children in the era before the VCR. Like that, that is a thing that emerged uh, as we were you know, young children, that became a thing. So everything that has slowly transformed the media landscape we've been here for, uh, along with everyone else in our generation, uh, we've collectively experienced a massive shift in the way we absorb media. Uh, and as companies have become, you know, very refined in the way in which they give consideration to the value of their media, uh, and the way they compete with one another for attention and space and market dominance. Uh, there's a lot of questionable conduct flowing out of this new environment, uh, like kind of a sense of desperation almost. I, I catch whiffs of it, like there's such an eagerness uh, to be thought well of and to be thought of as like the shrewd leading edge company that literally no holds are barred. I mean, it, it's almost a WWE spectacle at this point where, yeah, great portions of this are staged, but, you know, it it's done for the sense of drama. You know, it's like, the king okay. is being crowned and walks up the steps and, oh, here comes somebody from the corner with a chair. Ah! And it, it's stupid. Ooh, yeah. It's... Uh, ridiculous. It, it's embarrassing to watch because... Enter the realm of insanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where the circle that is a square. Uh, no, brother. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so, drama. yeah, that's the whole thing. That's, but... that's the world we've watched unfold from the time before, which... And I relate this to gaming to kind of tie it in, like, um, there's a lot of nerd culture in here, and that's what we're yeah. going to focus on. But also... With some of the recent decisions by Wizards of the Coast to go with their D and D digital initiative launched way back in way back in two thousand and eight, they uh, <clears throat> um, have finally come out with the D and D online experience, and they still will take content offline, and then you know stuff that you paid for technically you own, but you're only renting property. So we're going to talk about that as in the gaming community as well. So. 
Yeah, and I I have a universal stance on that. I mean, yeah. I, I only have one place I stand on all such concepts, which like is a unilateral rejection. Uh, you know, the the ability for a person offering something for sale, they expect me to pay for it. And then they also further expect to be able to edit or delete same said material at any time. Um, you know, my answer to that is a flat no. You should not give people money for that. That like, if you want to sell it to me, then you sell it as it is, and I will have a copy of it, and it cannot be altered in any way, shape, or form. Tough, tough cookies. Do not care. Uh, and the new vision of media property is one that embraces the corporate-driven ideal of we own it in perpetuity. You are leasing the right to peruse it at this time under these circumstances, pro tem with a series of addendums explaining that like you're not actually an owner of this material and we can do whatever we want with it at any time. Like, then why the hell are we even giving you money? Because <laughs> that's the kind of contract that I, I would like, wait, I can have free access to it, but you can change it at any time. I didn't pay anything in. Okay, well, then I don't really deserve any value because that's not my money on the table. But I am too old and too grouchy and too much of an, you're like, yeah, I, I, sorry to borrow Clint Eastwood and Grand Torino, but get off my lawn. You know, if, if you come at me with this, you know, like you, you paid for it, but we still own it and we can do anything we want. My answer is I'm not paying you a damn thing ever. Not one penny. And I will continue to campaign to younger generations to reject that entire paradigm. Just and literally, I, I encourage them to actually communicate with these companies. Use your social media. Tell them I don't want I don't want this. This is no good to me. I will not yeah, give you my I, money. I think hidden in there is a little bit of a lesson that we do have agency and we still have the ability to make our voices heard. They're despite what people try to tell you constantly that you don't. And yeah, and a lot of times you're just a voice in the wilderness crying out, you know, but no. I think that there's one a, pocketbook is of no consequence, right? But a hundred thousand makes, if you have a good point and get it out there and people see it, it, it does get passed around. So, yeah. you know, I've, I've seen that myself. It, it's happened to me a couple of times where I'm like, Whoa, that tweet grew up. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Yeah, I actually have some haunting ones that, uh, you know, I said some very funny things. Uh, you know, it was many, many years ago I'd, I'd written a comedy act. And the place that I was supposed to perform it here in town closed. <laughs> Thanks a lot, owner. Uh, you know, they basically crashed and burned that business long ago. This the, We're talking about 20-odd years. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was kind of PO'd. And I just said, all right, forget it. Like, I don't have the wherewithal to be driving out of town chasing stages. So I released all of that material onto the internet in like various salty commentary all over the place. And years later, tidbits kept floating back to me um, <laughs> that had been transformed into memes and that had like circled the globe and been used by other people. And I was like, yes, yes. That's all I care about is that somewhere out there, somebody thought it was funny 
and they repeated it. Good. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to come up to the break here and uh, we're going to get back into it. But I think that a nice place to land the plane on this one is just to say that media has changed and not only just uh, movies, comics and all that, but I think also people's expectations yeah. have also um, not changed with it. And I think that's where some of the disconnect is that we're used to a certain way of performance of especially us older folks and some people have made that transition they're perfectly fine with it um we're kind of just not here to to beat down on people or well i don't know how you could beat down on disney i mean i that's punching upwards but we're not here just to smash people's if you like a thing and that's a thing you like then like that thing (laughs) but if you're also like trying to advocate that you know we should all uh just conform and, and fall in line yeah we're you're going to hear some pushback on that. So yeah, my, I'm famous for my be like relative uh, indifference to the suffering of companies, uh, but I, <laughs> I am a fierce proponent of people's ability to protect their brand and their IP. So you know, it depends on where this topic takes us. Uh, that determines where I'm going to stand. Yeah. But, so when we uh, get back, we're going to have a visit from the Astro Gallimancer. Tell you guys what's going to be uh, coming next episode. So stick around. And welcome back. Yeah. So we had the Astigalamancer come back from vacation and you know, we got uh, caught in caught in the downtide of caught in the flow of reminiscing. And uh, that's something you do when you get older. You'll understand. Um, <laughs> but uh, we need to uh, talk about our next topic. So for that, we consult the Astigalamancer. Take it away. Ah, the Astrogalomancer gazes into the dice, and in their results, he divines next week's topic. Mm. Knives out. Or knives in the dark. Yeah, knives in the dark. Yeah, uh, Evil Hats role-playing game's been taking the scene by storm. All the kids are playing it these days. Slicing it, dicing. So it's time that we turn our attention to that and uh, do something less ranty. But uh, today we are here to rant, and yes, I promise there is some gaming content. We will pillory Wizards of the Coast, so you can get your tickle from that, as well as the fact that, hey, some warnings and uh, the reasons why sometimes ownership of digital copy, of, of digital material, and having actual real copies is important. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that's, that's another note on this. I mean... Honestly, well, we were leaving off on the fact that... Um, a lot of movies and streaming services seem to be struggling these days. And why does this matter to us? I mean, just just as my opener. Right. Okay. Why does this matter to us? Nerd culture, which uh, frankly is us. You know, we're, we're nerd culture people. It's the world we've lived in, uh, like ever since we were old enough to, you know, figure out what we dug. You know, like, what is it we love? And it was always nerd media. You know, whether it was back in the days of sword and sorcery, we've been into comic books, uh, fantasy and science fiction movies, uh, fantasy and science fiction books, uh, and inevitably now, of course, streaming shows that are fantasy and sci-fi and comic book related. So the primacy of these mediums or of these genres in modern mediums has really changed. I mean, wow. Does the stuff we like get made on a regular basis now? 
holy cats, I, it is a smorgasbord. Whereas before, it used to be like, I, oh man, if you can imagine uh, a great feast for everybody else, right? And one dish that might be palatable to you. Uh, and rare and few and far between were those moments where you, as a consumer of media products, found the thing that you really enjoyed. That was a tough world for us to be in. Mm. And so there's a great appreciation. We, you know, even handedly, I want to say that while we're also critiquing the current situations, there's also a great happiness that you're like, what a problem to have, huh? Too much media celebrating too many things that we happen to like. Yeah. Not the worst situation to find yourselves in. So like we, we, we're keeping it in perspective. But now we hit to here are some of the little conflicts and issues as we watch, uh, you know, comics and science fiction and fantasy and other mediums and genres uh, deliver us into an era of wildly conflicting narratives. Uh, a lot of people, I'm not going to diss what other people like. Uh, to some degree, almost every single product coming out in these last few years has been facing a bear market. I mean, and that's just a broader reality that I don't think is being addressed. A lot of a lot of entertainment products have come out that have not done as well as they could have. And everybody wants to ascribe this, that, you know, and the other thing oh, yeah. as like, I have divined the secret reason why this has failed. Like, have you not noticed that that seems to be the prevailing story for almost everything? And then there's a list of reasons why. And the fact that we're in a very bare market for consumers has and, not and been. And we touched on that uh, yeah. previously where we said that people have a discretionary income. They've come, they've come to terms with some of the changing economic conditions. So people have a discretionary income and they're very focused where they spend that. And there's a lot of competition for that dollar. But another thing that we need to bring up is like the Dungeons and Dragons movie, um, uh, Honor Among Thieves one specifically. It's reportedly cost about $150 million to make with uh, Paramount and Hasbro splitting up to co-fund uh, and uh, produce this. It was co-financed, uh, excuse me, by Paramount and E1, which was a Hasbro-owned subsidiary until they sold it. But they together they spent about $150 million to make it. So technically speaking, you need about $300 million to really call it. Oh, to call it a smash hit. Smash hit, yeah. right. But just to break even, and it, it easily did that. It's opening weekend. It easily passed the $100 million mark. So that meant in uh, ticket sales that it should be on its way to coasting to not only being profitable, but a good investment, sound investment. And um, yeah. then they put on there, they said, oh, well, you know, there's another 50 million in advertising they spent. So they had to overcome that. And then there were like, it, it literally seemed like it was goalposts moving. And I hate to use a, a, a simple term for this, but it's like they kept putting more and more conditions on it until, yes, it failed. So great, great job, great job. You <laughs> succeeded in showing how this movie was a failure at the box office. But yeah, despite what under other circumstances would have been considered not merely remarkable, but robust success. Uh, now, uh, against that was Super Mario Brothers that came out. 
um, like a week or two afterwards, a couple weeks afterwards, I think. And that made like a lot of money on this first weekend. It was a smash success, but uh, didn't get that many reviews. And, you know, it, it was what it was. Yeah, it's a you fan service. You can take an eight-year-old to it. Right. That's kind of the value of that one. <laughs> um, I, I will probably never see that myself, but, you know. People like it. I mean, it's this whole thing. Yeah. I'm, it's not my scene. and But you can take it. your kids to it. Right. Uh, you you, you like got it. a couple of kids that play video games? You know, they're, they're playing this, and you give them the nice, safe video games that are fun to play, like Smash Brothers and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, this is a movie for them. So I'm not surprised that did okay. But uh, that you're comparing different marketing techniques to uh, the Dungeon Dragons movie, and you don't apply the same ones to the Super Mario's Yeah, the, the shifting methods of measurement for success does seem to bother me, because I've also noticed... A thing that used to be principally an issue in the world of books uh, has now <clears throat> breached into the world of film. Uh, New York Times bestseller list uh, now has to include an asterisk for certain books that did not actually make sales on the stand. Oh, okay, These right. were not pre-orders right, from right. companies. These were giant mega donor backed super purchases to boost it into the New York Times bestseller mm -hmm. list, uh, done intentionally. It doesn't mean that anybody bought those books. It just means that that many were ordered from the company. Yeah, they're going to print them. They're going to ship them. They were paid for them. But actual customers didn't order them or buy them. So the New York Times bestsellers list eventually had to add a little asterisk to certain things that, like, they... They didn't really sell. It wasn't a full disclaimer, but it was an annotation that this yeah. is a, a whole thing. It's their way of saying cough, cough, sus, yeah. um, without coming right out and you know being accusatory. Now, that has not been done in the world of film. That, that wasn't really such a large issue. Uh, we now actually have entered the era where that same technique is being used to boost films into the appearance of success uh, despite actual crushing failure. Um, and this creates yet another marketplace where most of us don't know the mechanisms going on behind the curtain. We have no idea and much of it is so confusing and so difficult to calculate that we're left just like ah, at the, we're left at the mercy of competing narratives, and so all that's left to us, without really a guidebook to understand it or to pick it apart, is to pick the narrative we tend to like, and then run with it. Right. Which I think is a really risky place to be in mentally and emotionally. Now, uh, for my part, I I have noticed that some of the streaming fantasy products have not done as robustly in this season as well as they did just two years ago. Uh, I got to say, a big chunk of that uh, seems to be that, you know, I think emotionally, when we were in 2020 and 2021, and we were either in the heart of the beast of COVID or emerging 
from that dark tunnel. I think people truly needed it, heart and soul. We really wanted to be distracted. We really wanted to vest ourselves in a great story. And certain shows came out that were fantasy and science fiction oriented, and we tackled them and devoured them. Uh, like they, they became nationwide crazes overnight, like mm. water cooler talk over well, the internet without <laughs> yeah. the water cooler. Yeah. Because yeah. the opposite shut down. Yeah. And that, that frantic need is gone. You're not going to get it back for quite a long while. And I hope it doesn't come back. I don't want to be in a situation where people are frantic to find something to make them happy because life is terrible. Uh, so I'm, I'm faintly relieved. But that does mean that the, the hunger is not there. Well, and there's a, a race by certain goons to get to a conclusion that if a movie doesn't do as well because it has the lamin in it, is not only disingenuous, I think it's almost downright dangerous because people attach way too much meaning to certain things in movies that just really aren't there. I mean, yeah, it's a subjective criteria where you can uh, see something that maybe personally affects you, but there's a lot of nonsense being spewed about how that these things fail because, you know, they had a woman in it. Sometimes they're just badly written. Okay. Let's be honest and, and take all the partisanship, partisanship out of it. Oh, and yeah. that's fine. Like, I mean, what like killed, uh, the Ghostbusters reboot. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was not well-written. Um, yeah. I mean, sorry. it had, it had good moments, but it lagged in the center. It didn't move well. And I love Melissa McCarthy. Okay. Yeah, I loved I all the actresses there. I, I thought... think she's unabashedly hilarious. Uh, I, in which uh, there is a movie involving puppets. That... Oh wait, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't don't watch that one with your kids. Yeah, no, that's no, not, not what you not with your kids, but it's hilarious. Trust me. Now that having been said, my fan, my shameless fanboying of her aside, it was not a well executed movie, and it did poorly because of that. People saw it and. Well, it, and then there was a great assessment that, oh, well, it's because the whole concept of like having women in these iconic male roles has just failed. No, no, no. It, it, this there is were the moments that, of comedy where they did actually pull yeah, it off. This there is there the were thing moments that in that film where it, it could have worked. It just, the ending was terrible. And, you know, but it's, it's still something me and my wife like to watch because it, it, she just loves the, uh, the banter of the actresses between each other and there's a lot of good fun stuff that just gets ignored because parts of it are just un the ending to me is at the very end is is unwatchable it's just it, yeah it, it, <laughs> i mean you can just fast forward through that whole scene it's a spectacle and just get to the end and like okay they won <laughs> yay all right roll credits well yeah my, my and feeling, then the thing is i sat there going well that just happened yeah that's <laughs> and then i never watched it a second time uh, my disappointment was palpable. But, you know, you're making a good point, though, is that there's a huge push uh, from partisan narratives on either side to re-narrate why a movie succeeds or fails. Uh, and it's always in accordance with what they already believe, which, if that doesn't ring alarm bells, then, you know... Anyone who has an axe to grind 
And they're trying to find a way to squeeze this into, you know, their worldview. They probably already lost. Okay, they're probably way off track to begin with, because if you're pushing that hard to find a way to fit this into your narrative, you're not really looking at like the stone cold facts. You're, mm-hmm. you're looking for a way to brush aside this and brush aside that and leave aside these other issues and just boil it down to the one thing I like. I don't trust that at all. I don't, I, I don't go into a movie looking for a way to uh, gratify my existing beliefs. I, I, I see filmmaking as an art form uh, and showmaking for that matter. You know, the, the oh, yeah. crafting of a good piece of media, be it a, a song or a book or a TV show or a movie, uh, all of or a game, the crafting of it is an art form. And I am fascinated by the mechanical, uh, you know, quantities, the, the actual measurable things of it. And that's how I judge things. And when I say these things are dangerous, I'm not saying like, you know, your life's in peril. What I'm saying oh, is to the industry, it's dangerous because... It starts a whole narrative that just you can't contain. It gets out of control. It turns ugly. And then, you know, it marginalizes and factionalizes people in both pro and con against those views. I always try to say, if you like a thing, then like a thing that you like, because that's the thing you like. Just like something. And if you don't like it, it's okay, too. Yeah. But don't hammer people. Like, if somebody's having a conversation, oh, I really like the new Spider-Verse, uh, Into the Spider-Verse movie. You know, I'm heartbroken over uh, Spider-Man, and I have been for a you know, decade, a better part of two decades now. I, I've never recovered from what they did to Peter Parker, and that's a thing for me to carry. It's not meaning that nobody can get enjoyment from me anymore. I'm I'm just heartbroken over it, okay? I'm, I'm not over it. And uh, when they try to put out, like, hey, I, I like this thing, I, you know, I think I'm glad people still like that stuff. Just not for me, and move on. I don't go in there and like shit all over their uh, gush party because I feel I have to throw my weight around. There's a problem with people wanting to um, diminish other people's enjoyment of thing to make themselves feel good, and that's a wrong thing. If you dislike something for reasons that you find uh, part of your principles, a part of your ideas, then dislike that thing, and in don't make apologies for it. But at the same time, also respect other people's enjoyment. That's a big thing here. I, I, I got to say there's, you know, in being perfectly honest and doing a little confessional moment here, uh, you know, I had the tragic character flaw uh, that when I was younger, I'd be like, it, it's almost a hipster D-bag moment um, of yesteryear. You know, the, the curmudgeonly, my music was better. Mm. Uh, but in my case, it was very specific. Okay. Uh, I am kind of a guitar rock punk person. And that's the stuff I love. It's the stuff that resonates with me. And I've, I've got my Velvet Underground and my David Bowie and, you know, my, my glam rock. And then I've got my harder core punk and all of those things. And I, I love this huge span of alternative music. I live in a world that absolutely slavishly devotes itself mostly to pop. And it could be country pop. It could be pop pop. It could be pop rock. 
you know, it, it's always popped something. It, like the, the whole world is this lighter weight, lower expectations, mellow, you know. I despise almost all of that. I, I cannot stand most of it. It just, it grates. Really? It, I've never heard this before. Yeah. Never, never mind. Yeah. This guy's this guy sat through this complaint a long time. Now, where is the part that I did wrong? I was exceedingly unkind to a lot, a lot of people. Just not not a not one one or two. I didn't have one or two little outbursts that were poorly timed. I was downright vindictive because I live in a culture that loves everything that is the opposite of what I love. Uh, so yeah, my my invective was really harsh, and I just spewed venom on a lot of people who were very nice people and had nothing to do with this, and they just happened to like a thing I didn't like. And it was pointed out to me a long time ago that, like, do you not get how much of a dick move that is? Like, you've just crapped all over everything I have ever enjoyed uh, and explained to me how everything that I like in life is garbage and that, like, I must be a garbage person because I like garbage. Uh, and that was a bit of a wake-up call, okay? Yeah. And for all that I vent, for all that I, I still I stick to my truth, which is, like, I don't like that stuff. I don't like it at all. I will never like it because I like the mere sound of it uh, fills me with contempt. I no longer tear down people who enjoy that stuff. That is where I draw the line. I will critique it as like, I, I think it's, you know, uh, structurally, musically, compositionally inferior to other music. Uh, it, it lacks genuineness and, and well, it, whatever it lacks for you to somebody but, else, it may be exactly. that thing that they like. And, and and not to put too fine a point on it, but there are people who just love Britney Spears. They think that's the greatest moment in Western culture. I am the opposite of those people, but I am not going to mm. be terrible to them as human beings. Okay, that like the era of me doing that is over, and. The reason I personalize it and describe it as a sin that I have committed frequently is that I now see that it is wrong, and I have spent many years now trying to undo some of the the horribleness. Right, I, you I know, look, done nobody's perfect, man, and, and you don't have to make any amends for it. However, let's. Uh... But that's the point. Is it brings us to this atmosphere where there are a great many people right. now who attach overwhelming importance. It's not enough that they don't like a thing. Right, they gotta make other people. It must people be destroyed, it must be burnt to the ground. Everybody who likes it is human garbage. Uh, there is no middle ground, there's no accounting for taste. There's simply that which is right is right, and that which is wrong should be destroyed. Uh, and that's almost begun to dominate both sides of the conversation so badly that it becomes problematic just to like a thing. Right. Uh, it diminishes everybody's enjoyment. And I think that has turned Not a lot good. of people away from superhero movies. There's been a lot of partisanship on this. And That's why I think I, the pro side of liking a lot of superhero movies is, is, for the most part, wholesome. I think a lot of the detractors outside of the love of it um, have also joined the chorus of those who 
support and supposedly like this superhero genre, but have many, many criticisms about how it's done or what they attach uh, politically to it that's not really as viable as they think, that that has damaged the brands. And I think that has diminished it. But I think also we are, as Mike said earlier, just up to our eyeballs in content. We have streaming services. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, uh, the Star Wars stuff. Uh, I was just talking last night to the fellas and they're saying, you know, they're not really uh, that excited for these uh, new Star Wars contents coming up. And I am. I'm like, I, I, I'm been waiting for Ahsoka for a long time. And I've never watched Rebels or the Clone Wars. I don't know hardly anything other than that she was an apprentice to Anakin. And then uh, she left the Jedi Order and then had a comeback moment in Rebels. I don't know any of that. I just am perfectly aware of it. But I don't need to to enjoy that content on its surface. And I think for a lot of folks, we need to get back to that. It's just like you don't have to know all the lore. You don't have to know all the backstories to enjoy a thing. Just enjoy a thing. If some moments aren't going to hit you, that's what we called fan service. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's like there's a deep dive in there where she meets one of the Mandalorians that was in the Rebels that was a young uh, kid. And that's people like, well, if you don't, if you've never watched that episode, you won't understand. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to watch the episode on purpose now because I'm just going to critique it on its moment <laughs> that it impacts me when I see it. <clears throat> Which, uh, Let's face it, when I go to see a movie, uh, I've usually made up my mind in seconds. Um, like a, a trailer clip or like any personal foreknowledge of the source material. Like, okay, I'm going to have to check that out. And that's it. That was the whole conversation. The internet has almost no sway over me. And I, I'd like to advocate that right. to everyone. Like, do you think you would like that? Do you think that that might be a thing that you were interested in? Don't let the rest of the world talk you out of it. Go enjoy yeah, let's yourself. Go enjoy yeah. yourself. Watch. It's it. not my place or anybody else's to tell you what you should feel okay about liking. But you know, <laughs> I think that these streaming services are doing a disservice to themselves when they, especially their movie companies like Disney, that put out all this content on their streaming services and then release movies. I mean, I was kind of like, what me and my wife were going to go see Elemental from Pixar. Oh. But, uh, you know, we just kind of sat and said, you yeah, know, we'll just wait for it to come out on the streaming. Um, that's the thing is that now there's no longer like a, a fear of missing out moment. Yeah. Because we know that Disney's not going to let this one not go to the streaming services. And post-COVID, like things have sped up in terms of getting material right. into streaming services faster than ever. And they're starting to put a distance between it now. Where yeah. before they were like during the shutdown moments, Disney did a great thing, I think, in putting content readily available when it was supposed to be released in movie theaters because Even they knew though, that that there was limited contact, there was social distancing in the theaters, they could only have so many people in there. So they put the content out on streaming to not only prop up their service, but also get that content out there and keep that interest because merchandising. Um, merchandising. Merchandising. Oh, the Schwartz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they knew they knew but it was also a nice thing to do because uh frankly they they could have held out based on the assumption that with like delays in new material coming they needed to stretch out their existing supply as long as possible they didn't go that route they said no no yeah just put it out there we're gonna do this yeah but like uh, have you watched did you watch the movie onward 
Uh, no, I did not. Okay. One of the better D&D uh, adjacent movies out there. Really? Oh, yeah. It, get it. If you get it some time, just watch it. It's a nice, nice little watch. Animated or? Uh, it's Pixar. Oh, it's so Pixar. It's, okay. It's CGI, but real good stuff. And uh, it's it's nice. But, of course, that was during the COVID, and it's kind of slipped under the radar. And I think a lot of these things have also, like, there's so many, so much Netflix material that they're just canceling. You know, they put it out there. Oh, yeah. And they're getting mad because, like, nobody's watching this stuff. Well. You got to stop with the fire hose, okay? Quit trying to wash everybody over the side. Oh, content, here you go. You wanted it. Here it is. And Yeah, the the public's ability to absorb information, I want you to picture that in your mind. Picture a teacup, Mm -hmm. a very lovely, fragile, beautiful, well-crafted porcelain teacup. (laughs) And then Netflix's total quantity of information headed your way is a fire hose at maximum volume. Now, 200 PSI. There you go. Whoa, you're gone. What the yeah. heck happened? <laughs> the entire house is washed off the foundation, and you're waking up in a gully. So, so yeah, that it's been too much to take. It, it's more than people can handle. Uh, and I, you made a great point about the radical shift in the number of providers providing streaming services, which this goes back to the breakup of the great world of cable of yesteryear where bundled packages could get you everything right in Mm -hmm. your own home. But the sheer level of greed of the, you know, handful of monolithic cable companies meant that like, you know, what do you mean? You're not going to share your massive profits with us to the degree that we prefer. Uh, Well then, you know, our negotiations are broken down and everybody goes off on their own and creates streaming services. And now people are expected not to pay for cable, but for like half a dozen different services to get the same shit they used to get from one service. Yeah, if you think that hasn't radically disrupted the marketplace over the last decade, uh, or half decade even, uh, oh boy, are you in for a wake up call? That has been a huge impact. Yeah, and to put this on there, they also, even Apple has started taking content off. Content that, you know, if you rented or bought this movie, you no longer have access to it. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I watch Greyhound, big history nerds, so that's what I do. And, you know, like, yeah, um, Tom Hanks as a destroyer captain in Atlantic off of the, the book. I loved it, but uh, I haven't been able to get my hands on a copy. Uh-huh. And you know, I never will because they're not going to make it available in a hard copy. It's going to be digital content only until they decide not to carry it. And then let's do an extra inning. All right. Well, yeah. So we got a little bit more to go on this. Yeah. So um, we're going to put some gas in the tank and be right back. So stick around for part three of our silly rant. All right. So, yeah, we're going to next innings on this one. So, yeah, I was talking about Greyhound. And, you know, there's. I haven't, uh, yeah, I paid like, I think it was like four or five bucks to get the uh, three-day pass when it first came out, and I enjoyed it. You know, we watched it once with the missus, and then I watched, well, I watched it, but I watched it with the missus, and then with the family the next day, and then uh, everything was cool. Um, I said, yeah, one of these days I'm going to own that, and of course, they're not going to release it on digital, but you can buy that from them, rent it digitally, okay? I, I hear you. Um, for about 20 bucks. Okay. Until they decide that for whatever reason that no longer, you know, if them and Tom Hanks get in a fight or Tom Hanks uh, ends up dropping his pants in front of a uh, kindergarten class, it's gone. 
Okay, I, nobody can ever get it again because it's digital content, including paperwork. You literally, uh, with some of the stuff that Disney's been releasing, uh, direct to video, you just get a certificate now <laughs> in a box that says, "Yeah, download." Here's your, you know, code for your free uh, ownership download of this digital content. Yeah, and hard pass. Yeah, and the analogy that was put in defense of this from a, no less than an Apple cult is like, well, when you see this is shows your age. When you went into a movie theater and you bought a ticket, and I'm using the dude voice for this one. You went in and you know you didn't like you bought one ticket, and then you with that one ticket you think you can just watch it forever. I'm like, well, that's a false analogy. And you kind of poison the well right off the bat. The, the thing was back in the day we didn't have any way to watch movies other than when they were. Uh, released in theater, except for the cable companies, and they could have been like Showtime, Cinemax, or HBO. You didn't know which one. Yeah, I mean, VHS, uh, you know, happened before the surge in cable companies uh, really took off. But you had to wait a significant length of time. Your window period to see a movie when it came out uh, in theaters, you know, was a matter of weeks or a few months, and that was your shot. And if you didn't shoot your shot right then, you didn't, you know, like you, you didn't get a chance for many a moon until later. Now, a more accurate comparison, know. you know, like leaving aside this like ridiculous nutcase online, you know, <laughs> professing that, like, oh, that's the way it was. Obviously, you weren't there. You right. Didn't you, care. Um, you didn't. The real truth, you could buy a copy of a movie eventually. And it was more expensive than actually just going to see it in a movie theater. Yeah, once upon a time, the, uh, VHS cost like $100. Yeah, I mean, in the early days, you know, when, when the machines themselves were terribly expensive and comparatively few people made them. Now, by the time these things became really commonplace, about 20 bucks, which, I mean, mind you, that was somewhere around four or five times the value of, uh, you know, a, a ticket to a movie. Yeah. Which boy, have times changed since then? You know, like that—that that twenty bucks is the cost of a movie now. Uh, I would understand if inflation had driven up the cost of a DVD Blu-ray copy of a movie uh, that you take home and then have forever. Uh, but they've even eschewed that dynamic. Okay, you can still get DVD Blu-rays for a great many well, movies yeah. eventually at a reasonable price. Uh, but in the case of digital content, there is some kind of perverse need for people to justify this by saying that, like, you know, the, the money you spend over and over again uh, should entitle you to almost nothing. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to actually drop the curtain on this one because you said that the person was inconsequential. It was actually Jolly Blackbird argued with me. Oh, tisk. Shame on you. Yeah, Jolly. he says that, you know. I love you like a bro. But yeah, I love him. But yeah. I was just like, we had this back and forth and mess in there, and, and it was just like, I, I don't know who I'm talking to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is a guy who, um, yeah, he, he proclaimed that he got rid of his entire DVD uh, collection and went all digital. Hey, I won't, I won't refuse the convenience of it. I, I got a friend who had to move overseas, and the only way they could take everything right. with them was to convert it to digital files. Right, you're on vacation. And they took stuff they owned uh, that they had purchased, and they converted it to digital files, and they took it with them. Good for them. Portability, you know, fantastic. Anything ever happens to that laptop, it's all gone. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> right, but this isn't just an accident of, of careless ownership of the laptop. This is you're at the mercy of a company's 
beneficence of them keeping that content commercially available. And that was my main point. It's like, yeah, you didn't have the expectation you just because you bought one ticket, you could watch it over and over repeatedly. But here is it, the real life thing. Star Wars cost $89 VHS. Yeah. And <laughs> Imagine then that HBO, in the day. HBO was showing Star Wars one day. And I re- just with bated breath threw a blank VHS cassette in there, hit record. And there I had my own copy. And my grandfather was like, see, that's for fiscal responsibility. You know, that, that, that's like smart. You know, they uh, show it for free on there. We pay for, or not free, but we pay for cable. And uh, HBO is part of the package. You got a copy of uh, Star Wars there. And you didn't have to pay anything for it. Good kid. And, of course, the quality wasn't really as good and deteriorated fast. But, hey, the whole point was I got my copy of Star Wars and I could watch it whenever I want. Yeah, the, the, the same Home enough. Use, Fair Use Act thing that uh, if you had a recording of something from TV... And you were just using uh, it. It was for... expected that you used that in your own home and that you did not charge people for the viewing of it. That's it. That was the entire expectation. You're not making money off of this, but you've reserved a copy for your own use. Uh, and this applied to stuff that like you hadn't even bought in a store. Now, I have some fabulous old VHS copies that of shows are... that are long gone. Stuff's all off the air. Nobody can find it. Uh, tidbits from like early years of MTV uh, that... It doesn't exist. There's no like preserved copies of it floating around out there that I have ever been able to find right. uh, without having to sit down and use a VCR. That's heartbreaking to me. This media is lost, and it's principally lost because of an almost psychotic level of greed. You know, to like, it, well, if I can't make an absolute mountain out of it, uh, yeah, cash off of it, then, me. then it's not worth doing. Um, what you brought up also brings up. Uh, the relationship that our ongoing situation has with some other historical issues, like the the change of the music uh, environment, where you had to go see the spectacle of people who had once, uh, looking at you, Metallica, mm. uh, who had once given out free cassettes and told people to copy them and give them to their friends, you know, Take them out of a copy, make copies, give it out to your friends. Then become furious that the internet had made it possible for people. And like I know they were told by their lawyers that, like, oh yeah, you like you you made an insane amount of money. Like, oh, you, you should have made just billions off of this song. Uh, and instead you only made like, you know, this much, like just a few millions, uh, instead of the billions that you could have made because people stole it. The lawyers didn't factor in the actual statistical truth that there is a market saturation point where the number of people who will actually pay for your actual album uh, has a cap. And that there's a great pool of people on the internet who, hey, if it's out there for free, eh, I'll give it a listen. But they don't care. They're not diehard fans. They don't love the band. They're not going to buy your album under any circumstances. If there was a price tag attached, the amount they would pay would always be zero. <laughs> like, no, no, no. And that money cannot be gotten from them. Now, the perception that like, okay, this is a thing of value intellectually, and it has been lost because some people have exploited a way to listen to it for free. I know that that is offensive to the spirit of many people, but you can only get so much blood from turnips. It's a fantasy, okay? The, the fantasy notion that like, I could be a trillionaire if only... 
you need to lay that down and walk away because that, that's the opium pipe there that you, you're getting in that crazy dream state where, like, oh, if only that's not how the real world works. And it never did. Um, and uh, <laughs> as much as I love Metallica, that betrayal of their roots, like here, take these cassettes and go play it for your friends and like get the word out there about us. When you were young and hungry, you cared about fans and like making fans like you and wanting more people oh, to hear you. Yeah, that... To then turn your back on people and go, oh, you're all scum, you're built. Wow, have the millions corroded you. Yeah, um, and I think that, yeah, like what. So now we, we see some of that in the film world too, the, the kind of anger and outrage directed at and, the end user instead of at the conduct of the people managing these giant. I am anti piracy based on the fact that as long as access is easily available and not egregiously charged, like, yeah, I'm looking at you, uh, music execs, I'm just going to wind the analogy down on this one. They way overcharge for content on CDs. Oh, sure. And they got a lot massive lawsuit from it, and um, they ended up having to pay uh, a, a dividend back to almost everybody who went on the website and signed on that you bought a CD from between 1995 and 2003. <laughs> they got, yeah, they got spanked pretty hard, and it was, uh, well, they paid a pittance on what they probably should have. But yeah, everybody, I got, I got a check for about 30 bucks in the mail and um, or yeah it was actually mailed to me that one. but there's still little lawsuits like that going on in here and there but they as long as the music or the uh, media is available and affordable and I don't mean like uh, it has to be on pennies on the dollar but it should be compensatory to what you're getting um, we're looking at a market right now where PDFs are starting to creep up to the $20 for gaming content. And with D&D's Digital Online from the fourth edition, boy, that uh, digital initiative uh, fell through. They've managed to catch it now, excuse me, with D&D Online. And you too can pay for digital access until they decide that no longer they want to offer that. That is where my contention lies, is that this is a bad idea. As, as PDFs start to get more and more expensive, and I realize that there's a recruitment of costs that has to be had because more people buy deep PDFs, but they require almost no resources other than the digitalization and which, I mean, isn't everything now just a digital content uh, made digitally on a certain type of reader or format? I, I mean, the art, yeah, probably is drawn on a, a tablet or a device. Um, not to a great degree, oftentimes, yes. And also uh, it's, you know, written and fonted and, and typeset in a digital format. Yeah, I mean, all producers, like hardly anybody is like handwriting manuscripts or pounding it out on an antique typewriter. That does, that is almost non-existent. I'm sure like maybe, you know, there's some wannabe Stephen Kings out there who are still clacking away at the, the vintage I typewriter. a handwritten thing because yeah. I lost all my digital content due to a uh, sliding pay for scale scammer that I got free uh Microsoft Office access to. Won't ever say that word again. I'll never do that again. Yeah. So now I do write a lot. Uh, but 
besides being burned by that, yeah, I think that everything is there. So I get it that they need to make some money and pay the, the writers and artists to, uh, a good wage. I, I'm not against that. But when it starts getting to the 30 to $50 mark for PDF, yeah, I'm out. I'll just go with the physical copy. And I also want to say that as long as the, once you get a PDF, it's pretty much, you know, like having a cassette tape or VHS tape. You can copy it and, and put it to multiple devices. Yeah, I highly recommend to people that if you absolutely insist on getting things in a, a you know, digital format, uh, you know. <laughs> Save them off, put them on a yeah. hard drive. Yeah. Uh, um, know, do not accept any scenario where you have no ability to preserve this. Yeah, but the only way uh, you can access the content is through their specific portal. Yeah, I'm yeah, not trusting pass. Hard pass. Uh, and that's the way to shape the marketplace to be more equitable towards you, uh, is to reject like if they're only going to give you terms that are not favorable to your ownership of a media product, do not accept it. Do not accept those terms. Walk away. And second, communicate exactly why. Like, I'm sorry, I want an actual copy that cannot be altered or changed at any time uh, or that I will suddenly find myself unable to access. If there is any chance of that, then it is of no value to me. Uh, whatsoever. That's that's one way to get the point across. And I, I don't want people to be mean-spirited and throw around four-letter words, but... Uh, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the problem with that is that that instantaneously generates a, oh, it's crank call, don't, you know, and any thought you might have put into your sentiment is never going to be seen. No nuanced, like, response, no, no serious thought they just oh, reject out of hand. Well, if they do that, then they're not worth engaging with in the first place. If they but, can handle an F bomb now and then, you know, you're dead to me. Um, well, <laughs> use the old PG 13 rule. I friend. try to. Uh, it's it's the. You know, like, I try to say frick instead of. Just one F bomb, and it has to be in the right place at the right time. That's so, right. Like, like a Marvel movie. <laughs> frick. You like how I tied that in there with a Marvel movie? Yeah. Pretty but, good. No, nerd culture media. Uh, and this evolving landscape has been tough. So to just highly summarize this as quickly as possible, yeah. uh, we have We're next training. Uh, you know something of a bear market, which I forgot to mention back at the beginning. One of the big things was the nationwide rent hike about a year and four. Well, yeah, there's been uh, the rising creep on. About 16 months ago, there was a radical hike. Uh, just as the economy was beginning its proper recovery. Uh, and everybody I knew who lived in apartments uh, faced a rent increase. It is, if their apartments were owned by large conglomerates uh, and holding companies and such like, they all faced an increase at the same time. So this inordinately large number of households that I knew that had just begun to prosper after like, going back to work post-COVID all got punched <laughs> in the wallet at the same time. Uh, recovering from that over the last year has been trickier than I think has been discussed out loud. Uh, that has been, it's been a real problem. Well, yeah, short of so, an economics class, we can discuss so We had the bear market. Right. Uh, and then we had the, we're not desperate for entertainment as we were during COVID. We can go out. People are doing things with their lives again. They're, they're going places and having other stuff. Third, we have the huge outflow of product there is so much on the table to watch that it's 
it's both financially challenging and time challenging for people to keep up with this massive surge of material now released on a wider than ever array of outlets. It, it, that are often at cross-competing purposes. Yeah, right? how many are you willing to invest in? Like, you're like I have the equivalent of a cable package's worth of stuff by paying uh, you know, like $200 a month to make sure that I have all the stuff I would have had through a cable company 10 years ago. Not to uh, mention internet service ooh, providers. Yeah, yeah uh, it becomes exhaustive. Uh, and then we have the spurious methods for measurement that people are using to determine whether box office success has been achieved or not. Uh, and by spurious, I mean that uh, there are a lot of ways to bend those numbers. And in the case of even some of the studios, one of the, the things that like the strikers are you know, still somewhat teed off about is the way studios fudge the numbers to create a lack of success so that they are not obligated to pay out as much as they otherwise mm. would. Like literally, big studios looking for ways to welch. They're like, oh yeah, well uh, uh, they raised the bar for success. By the way, folks, he's Irish, so he can use that. Hey, oh, Just kidding. Um, <laughs> would you like me to say they Brit? Yeah, freaking Brits. No, I'm kidding. Been to London, love you guys, uh, but they have looked for ways to not pay what they are obligated to pay and to extract as much profit as possible with as little obligation to the actual creators as possible. Now that is just shameful conduct. And this is why you wind up with things like mass strikes and everybody going back to the drawing board. And, uh, last but not least, we have the partisan issue where everybody muddies the waters by attempting to make it about whatever their personal cause is. When honestly, it should be about enjoying a product or going and finding a product that you enjoy. Uh, so I, I think we hit a lot of points in an hour and 20 and minutes. And also the uh, idea that we had that digital ownership is compromised now. Yeah. You know, when we go to a digital age or a streaming age and you purchase something online, um, yeah, we have the ability now and we live in a internet free environment where, you know, well, if you pay for internet access, you have access to all this stuff. So there's a lot of ifs and, and barriers to there. And if you're in a financial situation where paying for internet service provider and the streaming content providers is not a burden for you, then yeah, great. But as we just discussed, the reason is, is that uh, a lot of these things are failing is because you have a competing markets and often at cross purposes for that discretionary income. And they'll, they wonder why hey, uh, movies and theaters aren't doing as well. Well, here's some of the causes. These are some of the symptoms of a larger underlying problem. And the problem is also there is fatigue. Yeah. Let's face it. A lot we're, of we're intersecting land problems. Planes, plane on this one. The wheels are down and flaps are down. We're coming in for landing, folks. Get ready. There has been good and bad successes. Like Ezra Miller's The Flash, which Mad Goose Wizard movie no one wanted failed i am aghast <laughs> i don't care how much fan service they put in it to, they actually had the original uh they had christopher reeve superman and they had the original black and white uh, tv show superman in there yeah i get it there's there's a lot of stuff hidden in there and i'd like to watch it but i'm not going to watch mad goose wizard on there 
okay, he can just uh, go uh, slip off uh, a rope, okay? Just get away from, I don't want anything to do with Ezra Miller, and I really don't care how good the Yeah, and before anything else exploded on the internet, which is not the general source of, you know, my opinions, because I I don't trust internet arguments and all of that uh, to guide me properly. I was a big fan of Grant Gustin. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when they decided they weren't going to work out this deal, they weren't going to shill it out for like the guy I see as like a terrific flash and a show that like has properly homaged like the past eighties flash as well. Uh, Or sorry, like uh, it was the end of the eighties, dawn of the nineties. You know, they, they weren't going to go with that. They were, they were going to get some guy and then, uh, prop him up as the Flash. I, I you know, I, I was not impressed in the first movie in which he appeared. Yeah. You know, when they did their little JLA, I, I enjoyed the movie overall, I, but mm. I, I, he was not, he was the weaker part of it. I'm yeah. going to be honest. Yeah. So, it, it was not the strongest suit. Gal Gadot, that, Jason Manoma, and uh, Bat Affleck was, and, uh, Oh, God, the other guy was huge... Cyborg. I mean, nailed the freaking... Oh, okay, yeah. So I, I, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. But, but yeah. There were a lot of good and bad moments in that movie. But, uh, but Flash you know, was not when, one of the good ones. So when they announced the Flash movie and there's controversy about it and it's still not the person I wanted and, like, for some reason, inexplicably, they've stuck with it. Like, they were just... Yeah, they know the controversy. We're going to push through. a mad goose wizard. And, yeah... There is some actual bad things that he's done that yeah. should not have warranted him being carried forward. They so, had the Warner uh, WB. I may never see that movie. It's just yep. not really on my list of things. To Questionable choices like that also are not helping the matters. And that with the general fatigue, it starts to creep into malaise. And I think that's where we're at. So it, I don't think it's the end of anything. I'm not going to doom be a doomer and say, oh, it's all over. But I think that they're going to have to reevaluate how they move forward with some of these properties and some of these creative content that they've managed to kind of screw up. Yeah, and they need a serious reexamination of, like, top-tier leadership because, mm-hmm. uh, like, the, the decisions have been coming thick and fast and every single one of them seems to have been stupider than the one before it. I, you know, like, the, the how can we lose more money? Like, put it in a room, and I'll light it on fire like Joker back in, you know, the Dark Knight days. Yeah, just, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't get it. I, well, yeah, you see a lot of CEOs getting kicked out, and uh, there's been a lot of leadership changes yeah. in various uh, divisions and branches. It's, it's wild out there, and they're trying to scramble. And then on top of this, there's a uh, writer's strike and now an actor's strike. Oh boy! Well, the it, actors, I got to hand it to them. They came through for the writers. They yep. they stood up and said, "You know what? Uh, these are the people who make what we do possible, and like you're also planning to rip us off as well." Because yeah, <laughs> Ron Perlman, man, that the, whole the uh, AI complaints in the writers' strike uh, had relevant matters for the people who are actually like you know SAG Guild, uh, you know the the SAG. Those, those actors immediately recognized the legal meaning of some of the language there that, oh my gosh, uh, like you, you intend to use our images in perpetuity. 
virtually. Uh, and you know, like we're, we're, you're asking us to sign off on uh, <laughs> not having to be paid anymore because once you own the image and voice for that part, uh, our connection to it is done. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, pass. No. To make a comparison here about the AI uh, <laughs> dilemma that a lot of people see happening and to stop the doomer flow. Look, Gary Kasparov talked about how uh, artificial intelligence commercially available made chess playing versus a pony. If you put it up to its full potential, you will never win a game of chess again and you will probably cry. But nobody watches computers play chess against each other. They still watch Magnus Carlsen play against other humans because that's what we want. We want that human, human interaction. And no matter how good AI CGI gets or script writing gets, it's going to lack that human component. Oh, and very much. Uh, AI, I, as I explained it to somebody, uh, the value is not that it is going to create better plots than anybody else has ever created before and all writers will be out of work. Uh, it creates a third party divorced from any actual living individual who can be sued. Uh, that they can attribute creativity to, and then, you know, base products based on that. And even if it, the AIs happen to make use of a lot of <coughs> uh, material that like, they, they researched and studied and like combined ideas to form their own, uh, it winds up being in the hands of an entity that cannot be, you know, treated as, as a legal, uh, you know, person. So, uh, this frees them of the concern of having to be uh, honest and forthright and, and yeah, sensitive and, to copyright and, and, issues. But the other issue is that there's an understanding that they don't have to make something that is good. Okay, AI is not so good that it will outpace all other writers. Uh, but remember, reality TV is a thing in the, in, in the world. Like the last 20 odd years, which like the most derivative craptastic garbage uh, had, has generated some of the largest profits. So there's an understanding that by acquiring AI, they won't even need uh, you know, people to work on concepts. You well, can still sell crap and it will make money. And I, man, I'd, I'd like I wish to just interject that, that you know, the way to stop this is give AI agency and recognition, but then I realized that this is the end, the stupidest end run to create Skynet I've ever imagined. Yeah. I, I didn't oh, wait, think we give it an agency and we can do what it wants and then it gets all its own money and then we created <laughs> Skynet and that way rather than through the military industrial complex. Great job. However, uh, well, I think we've worn out your ears well enough. We we put it in a bag. Yeah, we really beat this one up. I, you know, we wanted we, to talk about We had about a lot this. of far-ranging um, issues that are all intersecting on one thing. So, I mean, it took a while to, to work through it. Right. And I, I hope you uh, kept up with it. And congratulations, everybody who survived to the end. You deserve a pat on the back. Uh, go treat yourself to uh, whatever beverage that you or prefer. To drink. Go see a movie just because it's the kind of thing you would like to see. Absolutely. And don't base it on, like, what do we like? Or no. What? Base it on what do you think? Hey, I might like that. I've had some great movie experiences because yeah. I wandered in and went, well, let's find out. Let's find out. That's right. Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> and I didn't go see that thing in the theaters. I saw it once and I'm like, that kind of looks cool. And then it was gone. And then I was like, oh. And then later, 
I think it was on Cinemax. There it is. <laughs> and I sat down and watched it. And I'm like, I don't even know what that was, but I'm going to watch it again. And I made sure to watch it. And it was played quite a bit. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Clancy Brown was in that one. And uh, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> so many, so much good talent. And yeah, if you ever get a chance to see Buckaroo Banzai, um, I don't think a movie like that could have been made or should have been made for that matter. But it, here, there it was. And you know, Young we, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's enough of that. So. Peter Weller. Yeah. I, I, I don't. Anyhow. We're going to wrap it up. Yep. Um, remember to like us on that Facebook page. Uh, we'll, next week, we're going to have a soft reveal of what the surprises are. So get ready as we approach it. Uh, episode 300. Yeah, mine's a vintage, vintage module. Oh. Coming up. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm not giving the full reveal, but there's your hint. I promised it last week. There it is. All right. So until next time, may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.